The Houston Cougars are set to get into the Big 12 this fall. They face a familiar foe that they haven't seen in a long time, but only for one year. Let's jump into it. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a crossover edition of Locked On Cougs and Longhorns. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Parker Ainsworth, joined by Jonathan Davis. Jonathan, how you doing? Doing good, man. Excited for Houston to come to the Big 12 and excited <laughs> to uh, renew this rivalry for one year only. <laughs> for one, one year only. Uh, I'm sure the Houston Cougar faith will be making jokes about dodging smoke and, and things like that. Can I ask you, as you're leaving the Big 12 and heading into the SEC, um, as a foundational member of this conference, right? Some people would argue a fairly big financial part of the start of this conference. Just uh, a little Houston- bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what are what are you looking to get out of last? Obviously, like titles and rings and stuff. But like, what kind of a year are you looking at having in your last year in the Big Twelve as the conference expanding to fourteen teams this year? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people are looking ahead to the SEC, but, you know, Texas has high expectations this year, especially if we're talking about football. And, you know, it's been a while since Texas has won a Big 12 championship, right? Too long. And so we feel like, you know, this last year in the Big 12, it seems wide open. You know, you have to play the games, but right now it seems like there's a wide open path for Texas to get to the Big 12 championship game and win it. I feel like Texas has a pretty, I wouldn't say by far, but I do think Texas has the most talented roster in the conference. And so I think that's the expectation for Texas fans this year is in your last year in the Big 12, maybe the easiest path to a conference championship you'll have for a while going to the SEC with Alabama and Georgia. This is the year to get it done. So I think that's where Texas fans are focused right now. But I want to ask about U of H fans because you're coming to the Big 12, which would seem like a step up in competition. So what are the expectations for Daniel Hogerson and the Cougs this year on the football? Field. honestly i think there's people all over the map um so dana's been in the big 12 before so as far as a coach i think there's not like an adjustment for houston in that perspective and then houston and central florida are both unique perspective because central florida has gus malzahn he's coached power five football before right um the deal is is that people are worried about like some of the more like depth chart kind of things i think f- people feel comfortable in the like starting lineup but as you know in the big 12 by the fourth minute of the third game, you're playing your third string left tackle. You know, just something crazy can happen. And so you got to be ready to go with any guy, anybody on your 85 man roster. Um, I, I'd say that's probably the biggest. And then we have a quarterback battle happening that we'll, I'm sure, get into at some point because <laughs> yeah, who knows what's going to happen with all of that. <laughs> um, talk to me some about as the Texas Longhorn, you know, you mentioned they have a great roster, and I don't mean to be a Debbie Downey here, uh, Jonathan. There's been a lot of times in the last dozen years that I feel like you could say Texas had a great roster um, and Houston fans will walk and say, hey, those are some kids from like this area. Right. Like like the, yeah. they'll recognize some of those faces, um, but they haven't had a great dozen years. They've had some peaks. I don't mean to say like beating Georgia in a bowl game wasn't a big deal or whatever, but what's going to make this fall different for Texas? Yeah. So, you know, Steve Sarkeesian did an interview on the pivot where he said, you know, year three just just feels like my team. You know, they're they're practicing like my team. They have speed like my team. They're talking and communicating like my team. This just feels like the year. And I don't feel like there is a definitive 
competitor or contender to Texas this year in the conference. You know, typically you had like those Lincoln Riley teams or, you know, a Matt Campbell, Iowa State team that was really formidable and might knock Texas off or, you know, those Gary Patterson TCU teams. And I'm just not sure we have that in the Big 12 this year. So like you said, this has been the story for the better part of a decade that, you know, Texas is the most talented team in the conference and should win the conference that season. And it just hasn't happened up until this point. But I think the biggest reason why Texas feels for real this year is because even though you lost your best player in B. John Robinson and a hell of a running back behind him in Roshan Johnson to the NFL, I just feel like this team is more talented than they were last year from top to bottom. You're returning a quarterback, a very talented one in Quinn Ewers, which makes a hell of a difference as well. Returning all five starters on the offensive line, one of the best receiving rooms in the country, a very talented tight end and running back room. And this is a defense that's going to be able to more than hold their own, even though we're talking about an offensive team under Steve Sarkeesian. So I just think this is the year for all of the pieces to come together. Granted, it be in the last year in the Big 12, it's time for Texas to get over the hump. I'm not going to say they're back, but it's time to get back on the road to being back. But you talked about, um, you know, I talked about Quinn Ewers a little bit. You talked about Houston and, you know, them having, I guess, semi-fair expectations this year in their first year in the Big 12. And we know that quarterback is going to be a big part of that. And quarterback is the most important position on the field. And right now, I don't know if U of H fans know who their quarterback is going to be. So shed light for <laughs> Longhorn fans on who is the quarterback going to be for the Cougars this year um, and how you feel about that. Well, we know it's going to be one of two guys. Um, we didn't have a spring game, so we didn't get to watch uh, the competition between the two as far as play it on the field, there were practice clips and practices and practice that. And frankly, in practice, they look like they're good at different things. So Houston's got a, uh, Donovan Smith played as a 6'5", 245 pound kid. He's from Texas Tech. Longhorn I think you're not. No. They, they, <laughs> we, we, we remember him running over uh, Jared Thompson and Diamante Tucker Dorsey en route to victory against us last year. So, uh, yeah, we, we know. Yeah. We so know. he does that. He does that. But his drawback would be he does put the ball in the wrong team's hands sometimes, right? He does throw the yeah. ball in the wrong team sometimes. Um, he actually played in a game when Texas Tech played Houston last year as well. Um, and, and Texas Tech won that one. Uh, Houston's other option is a 6'1", squattier kid, b bigger base. Um, from uh, He transferred in the spring of 22 from Arkansas, um, but didn't ever get on the field there. So there's not a whole lot of game tape on what he looks like at Arkansas. So two power five recruits. It's not like Houston's coming in this thing blindfolded. Uh, Donovan Smith with a little bit more experience on the field, but Coley with a little bit more experience playing for Dana. And so it looked like kind of, you know, their different talents or whatever. We're going to pull them in different directions. And, Dane Holgerson has maintained at this point that Houston's going to enter the year with both guys getting reps. And to be honest with you, Jonathan and the Longhorn fans, I'd imagine even if the decision by week three, four, five is ultimately to go with Lucas Coley, you can't take Donovan Smith out of a goal line package. I mean, you guys saw that up close and personal, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I imagine Donovan Smith at least plays some in every game, even if he loses out on the job. And I really think at this point, all indications are it's 50 50. The people I talked to that are at the summer practices would still say they're getting 50-50 reps. Um, so I, I don't know that they actually ever pick one, but that's not necessarily the best thing either. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah, You know, they say if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. So that'll be interesting uh, to see, you know, this year. And that was kind of the situation at Texas Tech where they had three quarterbacks last year and pretty much ended up with none, right? I want to ask you a follow-up question because I know, you know, we're content creators and, you know, it can be hard in the offseason to, to make content also – you know, when you're a fan of a college football team, you really hold on so much to the offseason in terms of recruiting, the spring game, all of that. Those are big moments for you because 
most teams are going what nine, 10 months without football games. That's a lot, right? I mean, that's the better part <laughs> of the year. So how did you feel as a content creator and how did Cougar fans feel when they found out there was no spring game, right? They weren't going to see well, anything or have anything to hold on to in April, right? And the, the spring game got canceled about 36 hours before. So for Texas fans that don't know, um, it was NCAA only has so many days you can have spring practice. And Houston put the spring game at the very end of that window. There was no room for anything else. Um, and, of course, it's going to be played outside, free admission, crazy, you know, hoping to get some excitement going in the Big 12. And, of course, it's a weekend that, like, thunderstorms are just predicted to come sweep across the city of Houston because it's in April. Of course they are, right? And um, – that scheduled that, and so they bumped it to an indoor practice, but the practice facility doesn't have seating and all that kind of stuff for games, right? And so there's no way they were deciding between parents and media and fans and this and that, and they really ended up making it just a practice with some extended scrimmage-type possession, you know, you know, two-minute drill kind of stuff, and let some parents in. It wasn't it wasn't any anything, any big hoopla. Uh, recruits, I guess, got to come watch, too, that would have been at the spring game. Um Houston fans were upset or indifferent. There was really no in between. There was the people like, it's just a spring game. And then, you know, the, that old school fan. And then there were people like, I don't know who's taking the snaps next year. There was both into the spectrum. Um, but the, I would say the interesting to me as a content person was there was no middle. There was nobody that was like, oh, you know, I understand. There was, <laughs> there was only the two ends. And so I, I guess that's what you know, fandom is though, right? Fanatic. You're yeah, only fanatic. one of two things. Yeah. yeah. No, it was almost a, a similar situation for us. And I was hoping it didn't. Uh, I was actually planning on driving to Austin for our spring game, but the weather forecast was, you know, potential thunder in Austin. And there was talk about them moving it to the inside facility and not allowing fans. So I ended up not going, of course, perfect conditions. Malik Murphy goes out there and shine. <laughs> Quinn Ewers goes out there and shine. So that's just my luck. But, you know, thankfully for Longhorn Nation, we were able to, you know, have a spring game that we were all able to watch for sure. So I feel bad for the Cougar fans on that one. Speaking of things we're all able to watch, um, Cougs House. All right. Now, before we get going too much farther, talking about all of the fun stuff going on with the Houston Cougars this fall, this football season, going to the Big 12 and all of that, we do need to take a second and talk about the most fun product out there right now, and that are Bird Dogs shorts and pants. They're great for all occasions. They make you look and feel great. I wear them on dates with my wife. I wear them in front of my classroom. I wear them sit here podcasting. I wear them to the pool. I've worn the shorts to the pool already. The shorts have been with me to the gym already as well. Bird Dogs are made for any and all occasions. They got stretch fabrics that make you, uh, they tight, they're tight fittings to make you look a little slimmer, but also feel stretchy and roomy at the same time. The liner inside is a must. You don't have to have it, but the liner inside is a must. Trust me and thank me later. You'll find yourself wearing Bird Dogs on all occasions. So make sure you grab a pair today. Go to birddogs.com and slash locked on college. Use the promo code locked on college. Tell them that we sent you and they'll throw in a free Yeti style tumbler with bird dog logo on the front. Keep the cold drinks cold and the hot drinks hot. Trust me this summer in Texas, you're going to try to keep those cold drinks cold as long as possible. You're going to want that tumbler. You're going to want these shorts. You're going to want these pants. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college today. Jonathan, um, we will talk some at the end of the video too, about the, the, uh, hoops aspect of this renewed rivalry. Yes, but sir. before we get too far, you mentioned Quinn Ewers. You talked about the quarterback battle. I know you didn't mention Arch Manning, who uh, my fans would be like, I heard all about Arch Manning coming. Why didn't you hear about that? You caught me red-handed. You caught me red-handed. <laughs> We're probably a year away from that, right? Um, yeah. And so 
yeah, about a year away, you'd say, from here. In the yeah, he, he's, he's, he's uh, the definitive third-string quarterback behind Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy. So, you know, barring some crazy, you know, injury misfortune this year, I don't think we'll see uh, Archman and Suda for the Texas Longhorns this season. Well, and, and he's a, a, a freshman, a true freshman coming in from a, you know, crazy lot of talent, I'm sure, but coming in from a fairly small high school program in New Orleans. I want to ask you about the rest of the names in the roster, though, because um, – it's as much as this rivalry is fun and it'll be great water cooler talk all week and season and potentially a long time after that, if we don't play each other again for a while. I don't know that Houston fans are that familiar with the roster outside of B. John Robinson. Cause he was the headliner last year. And as you mentioned, he's gone and that's a lot of, that's a lot of production gone. Yeah, no, I, I think we have, you know, a great deal of talent. When you look at the tight end position, we have JT Sanders and, you know, obviously Brock Bowers is probably the class of the tight end position at Georgia right now in college football, but I'll put JT Sanders right there behind him. When you look at the wide receiver position on three ranked Texas as the second best wide receiver room in the country, it doesn't take much digging to find out who was number one at Ohio State. Uh, but Texas has that much talent in their wide receiver room. You have Xavier Worthy. You can make an argument. He's the second best receiver in college football behind Marvin Harrison Jr. That would take some production on the field to solidify that this year. We talked yesterday about Jordan Whittington, you know, people from Texas, people from the <laughs> Quero area now how good he is a former five-star receiver that's gonna uh, get a lot of opportunity this year and then ad mitchell when you bring a two-time national champion receiver over from georgia to texas he's gonna have a big role this year plus all of the receivers we have behind him and you lost Bijan and roshan to the nfl those are big losses i don't want to paint that as anything otherwise but i still think we have one of the most talented running back rooms in the country we just brought in the number one running back from this previous class and cedric baxter from orlando florida so it's steve sarkeesian you know and i'm not saying this is going to be the 2020 alabama offense at texas you know this year but i definitely think this is going to be the most explosive version of the texas offense we've seen since 2021 i do think there'll be a top 15 offense this year even without b john robinson and i think this will be an offense that can carry them to 10 plus wins for the first time since 2018 but i want to ask about this houston offense and the skill positions because i know y'all lost one of my favorite players to the draft little tank dale i'm glad i'm in, uh, in houston um across the street from NRG. So I will be checking out CJ Stroud and Tank Dale, that 713 connection in Houston. <laughs> you also lost your starting running back. I can't remember his name at this point, but looks like Dion may have poached him. Right. Sorry to, you know, plucking all the cords there. Yeah. But, you know, Dion might have poached him. All right. So who should Longhorn fans look forward to playing against skill position wise in that matchup in October? Well, you mentioned Alvin McCaskill, and that was a gut punch in the running back room. I I think the most talented position at Houston is the wide receiver room, and I, I know that you're saying the same thing about Texas. I feel like I would stack up, you know, it might not be the highest uh, touted names and stuff like that, but the Houston wide receiver room with a lot of people. Matthew Golden is a preseason first-team all-conference guy. Um, he set some freshman touch, uh, receiving and uh, touchdown and yards records last year for the University of Houston uh sam brown was on the field a lot last year as well he's a sophomore he originally started at west virginia um they pulled in a couple transfers like a kid from oklahoma state named stefan johnson uh a year ago they pulled in joseph manjack a kid from usc who then spent a lot of 2022 hurt so people kind of forget about him and then houston landed one of their highest ranked recruits in the history of modern recruiting for football uh, named Mikhail Harrison Pilot. Uh, they kind of lucked into that. His dad played linebacker and his mom, his stepmom was a cheerleader. So there was some Houston in the bloodline there for sure. Yeah. Um, but that, he was a five-star athlete and he's going to come in and play receiver, I think, for Houston. But at uh, in Temple, he played 
quarterback and receiver and running back and safety nice and corner and everything. And uh, he's going to come in and it looks like he can play some wide out for Houston. And that's a lot of dudes with a lot of talent. Um, yeah. And we also, frankly, we saw, you mentioned Tank Dell. Everyone in America knew Tank Dell was getting the football last year and he still caught 17 touchdowns, right? So I, we also know Dana can get those guys open in a way that it makes me feel confident saying you're going to want to know those wide receiver names. Um, yeah. If I'm feeling so confident in my wide receivers, it probably a we got to figure out who throws them the football. We mentioned that earlier. Um, who does Texas have covering these guys? Who's Texas having the defense side of the ball? Because um, I think the Big Twelve is a league without a whole lot of defense. If I'm being frank, and, and what is it's just a, it's a high scoring league every weekend. Looks like right. Um, and yeah. so, what does that mean? You look at, at when Texas has that. De- if you're trying to win the conference, you're going to have to have yeah. someone on that side. What you got? Yeah. So first, before I forget to mention this, Texas fans are definitely um, going to be familiar with a few names in that Houston receiver room. You mentioned Mikhail Harrison pilot. Uh, we definitely recruited him for a long time. So Texas fans that are familiar with recruiting will remember that name. Also, Jonah Wilson, former Texas commit that decommitted yeah. and flipped to Houston. I think a lot of Texas fans are going to be invested in what Jonah Wilson does down in Houston uh, as well. So when you talk about um the Texas football team and our defense, right? I think it starts with in the defensive backfield. Actually, let me push back on what you said. First of all, because you, you, you're talking bad on my conference. I'm still in the conference for years. So we're <laughs> okay. When we got, when we got, we got. Now we don't have you know Gary Patterson anymore, but that TCU defense was still really good last year, right? You got David Rand at Baylor, a defensive mastermind. You got Matt Campbell and Iowa State. What they've been able to do with the flyover, the the flyover defense at Iowa State. I think the Texas defense was much improved last year. We got Brent Venables at Oklahoma. So you know, it's not the Air Raid Big Twelve anymore. Now talking about the the Texas defense, I think our strength, one of our strengths, is uh, the defensive backfield. You bring back Jaron Thompson at the safety position. Uh, mm-hmm. Honorable mention All Big Twelve last year. Jalen Catalan. The only issue about him coming over from Arkansas is health, but he's a former All SEC safety. I think that means a lot in college football. Ryan Watts, one of the best corners in college football, he returned last year. Jade Barron, one of the best slot corners, he returned. Tavondre Sweat on the defensive line. I think he's one of the best D tackles in the country. And then you brought in a plethora of talent in the last two classes, the 2022 class and the 2023 class, which included the number one linebacker in the country. So Sark is going to get all of the press. This offense is going to get all of the press. Quinn Ewers, whether he has a mullet or not, is going to get all of the press. But (laughs) I think this is a defense that, like I said, can more than hold their own. When you look at, you know, Texas in their biggest games last year, it was the defense that showed up, not the offense. In Alabama, in the Alabama game, we held a team that averaged 45 points last season to 20 right when we played tcu we held them to 17 so it was the defense that showed up in those games not necessarily the offense i think that's going to be the case at times this year but you're going to have a more explosive and consistent offense to go with that defense that i think improves in year three under pete kakowski but we talked all about what we're going to see on the field but if you look on this graphic right here we have a question that says, what's the deal with these win totals? And we're coming up on 20 minutes into the episode. And we haven't talked about these win totals. So <laughs> I have to ask you, Parker, because I know the fans, they're watching on YouTube. Like, what are they going to talk about these win totals, right? Hanging at the edge of their seat. Where does FanDuel have Houston listed this year in terms of their win total? And do you and the Cougar fans agree with where FanDuel has Houston protected? Nah, I, I'm calling this disrespectful. So they got Houston at four and a half wins and – I got to be honest, there are a lot of schedules out there where we're like, man, I don't know if Houston can win five games on that schedule. That is not Houston's current schedule. On their four and a, and their four and a half win over under, that would just be winning two conference games if they won all their non-conference games. 
Um, their non-conference games are UTSA, and that's a growing program, right? I don't mean to like diminish what they've done on there, but a Power Five team ought to beat you at UTSA, right? Yeah. And then Rice and JT Daniels and Sam Houston State, right? <laughs> like theoretically, that's three wins in non-conference, or at least it should be. And then as far as the conference schedule goes, Houston does play TCU in Texas, but catches them both at home. Right. Um, that's a, those to me are anything can happen in college football. We've seen weirder things happen than Texas than Texas or TCU losing in the city of Houston. Right. Um, then they get Cincinnati and UCF, two other schools that are like Houston. The fact that they're first year in the conference. I think Oklahoma State's down. They get them at home. Texas uh, Houston took Texas Tech to double overtime or to overtime last year was uh, UTSA was double. Like these are games that are all a lot of 50-50 games in the conference as far as our schedule. We also get West Virginia at home on Thursday night, right? Like, a lot of games I think Houston can win, and to think that they only have to win two conference games to beat that FanDuel four and a half, that makes me feel like that, like, you got to go put money on that right now. <laughs> like that, yeah. That's too yeah. easy. Hammer that, right? I, I feel the same. I, I if, if Houston only wins four games this year, I'm going to have some question marks. So I'll probably be <laughs> texting you asking what happened. So I, I – Cougar fans, if, if, if my word means anything, go hammer that over for sure. So we have some common opponents. Y'all are projected to win a few more games. Just a um, couple more. <laughs> you, you've also got one big one circled in the second week of the season. So talk us through the Texas schedule and what their win to like what Do you see them matching that? Is it nine and a half? Yeah, so it's nine and a half. And what I said on the podcast when they released these is I'm confident in Texas winning 10 games this year, I'm not putting my money on it confident, right? I think those are two different levels of confidence because when you put your money on it, you're expecting it to happen. And what you're telling me is if I bet the over on Texas nine and a half is that they're only going to lose two games this year, right? And if you feel like they're favored, I mean, they're underdogs against Alabama on the road, Alabama's going to win that game. Now you're telling me that Texas has only one other chance to slip up for the entire rest of the season, right? Assuming they don't lose to wyoming or rice and jt daniels even though you know i have all the respect in the world for <laughs> the, the former national champion jt daniels right so you know i i think that texas should win 10 games this year i think they definitely have the talent to win 10 games they'll be favored in every game they play this year but alabama i'm confident in them winning 10 games in the regular season would i put my money on it i'm not so sure about that just yet but we talked about this game and i think it's going to be interesting because texas does play houston on the road and that game comes directly after our probably biggest game of the season to fans, which is the Red River rivalry with Oklahoma. And immediately after we come down to Houston to play the Cougs. And I want to know what type of home field advantage should we be expecting? Should we be expecting a, 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 a rowdy and raucous crowd down there in Houston? Or do you think there might be some burnt orange in the seats, right? Could Texas take over TDECU in Houston? Well, How do you see that going? I see, I see the way they did ticket sales for that one working too. One, I think that Houston's an entering spot relative to the rest of the conference. And, and Austin is a big city now, but most of the conferences like Lubbock, Waco, Norman, where if you're in that town, you're kind of just a fan of that team. There's not a whole lot of other stuff happening. And that's no – like, I got family in Lubbock. That's no disrespect to Lubbock. That's just the reality of it, right? Yeah, it's um, not Right, yeah, it's not Houston. Houston's yeah. a melting pot. Alums yeah. from all of these schools live in Houston, and so I think that is a real problem and could be a real problem for Houston in a bigger picture sense. Tech, uh, the Texas game is a separate ticket 
from the uh, normal home game package because Houston has one more home game than normal this year. They got seven, I believe, seven or eight. Um, one more than whatever normal is, right? And so they're selling the Texas tickets separate. So as a Houston fan, I don't have to get a full $1,000 multi-whatever season ticket package. I can just get the Texas game. So the thought process, I think, was get as many fans to that Texas game as possible. It's a bigger draw, bigger whatever. You know, that as an old Southwest Conference rivalry, that's one Houston wants people to show up to. What I'm worried is going to happen, though, Jonathan, because everyone has the internet, yeah. <laughs> is, is that that's not going to be just clicked on by people from the Houston Cougars. Exactly. But I can imagine that being a game that people have clicked on from all over the state of Texas or a bunch of those burnt orange fans that already live in Houston or even just people willing to make a few hour drive from yeah. Austin. And I think it'll be interesting to see how that splits. It, um, it, so Houston plays TCU in September and then goes on the road to tech and West Virginia is a Thursday. So it's kind of, you know, it's one of the first real tests for this big 12 home crowd advantage. And what I've been saying on, on our shows has been, it's kind of put up or shut up time, right? Yeah. Houston has been asking to be in the big 12. They've been asking for these rivalries. They've been asking, well, we don't want to show up to conference USA games. We don't want to show up to American athletic conference games. We'll show up. when We play someone real. This is someone real. Right, like this is the time to, yeah. to you know, put, pony up some money for tickets and go. Um, yeah. The time of day has not been released yet, but Houston's gotten a friendly draw with TCU being at seven p.m. on a Saturday in September, um, and and stuff like that. Like the later games have kind of been better for just Texas Heat, right? Yeah. Do you anticipate Jonathan a big burn orange turnout? Are you, I mean. As if you're gonna show up, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I live in yeah, I live in Houston, so I'll be there. But absolutely, and we've seen, uh, you know, Big Twelve schools get a little petty in the past, uh, you know, and try to make those tickets, you know, against Texas or other schools. I'm not just gonna make this about Texas. I'm not gonna be the egotistical Texas fan <laughs> that probably all the Cougar fans think that we are, right? But we've seen in the past where you know Big Twelve schools have made those big game tickets a part of three to four game, you know, kind of like ticket groups so that Texas fans or Oklahoma fans or whoever couldn't just go buy a bunch of those tickets, right? If you did, you would have to buy three more TCU home game tickets, et cetera, right. et cetera. Houston not doing that is opening the door for the burnt orange and Texas fans to come in and take over. So it sounds like they don't mind who's in the seats as long as they're filled up. So I do think that opens the door by them making that a single ticket. It does open the door for, you know, Texas fans to come out in waves and it's a national brand. It's a global brand. So yes, if it's a single game ticket, you should expect a lot of burnt orange in the building when <laughs> Texas and Houston play each other. So we're getting close to the 30 minute mark and we've talked a lot about football and we both love football, right? But we're big 12 fans. So that means we're hoop fans. And at least for one year, we get one of the best teams in college basketball in the big 12 before Texas departs to the sec. I told you yesterday, I wish all of our athletic programs could go to the SEC and then the basketball teams could just stay in the Big 12, right? That'd be best case scenario for me. But, you know, it is a step up in competition. I regard the Big 12 as the best, uh, you know, conference in college basketball. And I don't think that's going to be too daunting for Houston because y'all have more than held y'all's own. But it is a step up in competition from what you play in terms of conference games night in and night out. So what are your expectations for Kelvin Sampson and the Houston Cougars this year in the Big 12? Yeah, I think what's interesting is they lost a lot of talent, and uh, Jairus Walker will be a lottery pick in the NBA draft, and Marcus Sasser, I imagine, is a late first-round pick as well. 
And and he was the Jerry West best shooting guard in, in all of NCAA last year. They brought in LJ Cryer as a transfer from Baylor, who was third team all Big 12, and, and Texas fans will remember. They brought in Damian Dunn, who's a 15 points per game, 38% three-point shooter from Temple. So Houston fans know that name. Um, I I think the interesting thing is Houston could be as good as – I don't think they will be as good as last year because last year they didn't want to be in the country for a lot of the season. But on paper, they could be as talented as last year, and they're not going to go 33-4. and four. The con- the competition's just – like yeah. you you could be really good and just run into Kansas – in you know, in the fog, Texas, Allen Field Baylor, TCU, yeah, yeah I like, guess that, like, that might be four losses right there, you know. Yeah. Well, and sure. and like, and then if you beat them at home, you split the series with them, like you're good, yeah. right? That's a good yeah. basketball team, and so mm-hmm. I think they could very easily be good with some losses on their schedule. But y'all are ending this with your third coach in three years, and I, I'm, I'm a fan of the Rodney Terry hire. I'm, I'm yes. upset it took so long. Um, what's your last year in the Big Twelve going to look like? Because it is the best conference in college basketball. Yeah, well, if you would have asked me this a month ago, I wouldn't have known, right? Because that's when <laughs> the whole roster had decided not to play for Texas, right? And people were <laughs> out on the Rodney Terry hire a week after it happened. But he's done – him and his staff have done such a great job of, you know, building up this roster via the transfer portal and getting back Dylan Mitchell, Dylan DeSue, and Tyrese Hunter were huge. I know you're a huge college basketball fan, so I think the world of Max Amos, you know, bringing him in is like a stocking stuffer for me. You know, I get to watch him in a Texas jersey <laughs> and his last year in college basketball. But I think it's a big year for Texas. You know, I mentioned TCU is going to be really good. They did some good work. Baylor, you know, all the respect in the world for Scott Drew. They've done some good work in the transfer portal. And in Kansas, you brought in Hunter Dickerson, right? I think he was the consensus yeah. number one player in the portal across all sites, right? And then they stole Arterio Morris from us. They're going to be really good. And then you have all the other teams that are going to be competitive night in and night out, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. I mean, you know, you're adding Houston, right? It's just a a bunch of really good teams. But I think this year is imperative for Rodney Terry to build on the success he had last year because, you know, me and you both said that there's no question that he should have got the job based on the two-month job interview that he had, you know, last year after uh, Chris Beard, you know, whatever happened to him, really the last three months. Uh, But I still think Rodney Terry has to prove himself, right? He earned the job, but when you look at Rodney Terry's career head coaching record it's 53 percent right he wins 53 percent of his games that's not the standard at texas that's not going to cut it at texas so i think this year he's brought in a really talented roster he's brought back three starters from an elite eight team you know that wouldn't have even been possible 10 years ago in college basketball and so i think this is the year for ronnie terry to go out and show and prove that he is the leader and he should be the face of this texas basketball program moving forward in a tough big 12 i think he's very capable of doing that this year with this roster I'm excited for it. Uh, Jonathan, we're going to talk at least some in October before that game, at least some throughout basketball season about those games. And that's all assuming we don't do some Big 12 preview kind of stuff before and all that all that fun junk. But where can Houston Cougar fans find you? Again, you are a Houstonian. Where can people find you <laughs> on Twitter and all those kinds of things? Yeah, so Johnzo Ball, like Lonzo Ball uh, on Twitter. That's my personal Twitter, Locked on Horns. Uh, that's my Longhorn Twitter. And then Locked on Longhorns on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And the same for you. You know, I know I have some, uh, you know, old SWC Texas fans that may be interested in <laughs> listening to some Houston content. Or, you know, I got people in Houston that may root for the Cougs here and there. So where can they find you, Parker? And also let them know, you know, you might have a a, a big weekend coming up. So, you know, shout, <laughs> out, shout, shout that out on the podcast. We 
yeah. Congr- we can get some congratulations in the comments. <laughs> As of the recording of this, part of the reason recording this, I guess, is we are having a baby this weekend, and so we're, we're uh, banking up some some Big Twelve content for the folks, the Houston side of this thing. Um, and so, thank you, thank you for that. Um, but it is an exciting time here for myself, obviously, uh, for Houston and all those kinds of things. Locked on Cougs has been a fun project. Been doing about we think we just started in October, so it's fairly new. Um, and and it, it's rolling right now. It's rolling through. You can find the show again, Locked on Cougs, C O O G S. That's how we spell it at, at, for Houston. Um, wherever you want to find your podcast, YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple, whatever. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Painsworth512. That's P A I N S W R T H 512. Uh, on Twitter, Instagram, all your social media handles. Um, and yeah, I might go be a little radio silent on the Twitter there for a minute, but, but, but yeah. I'm there, I promise. Yeah. And, I, and I just want to say before we get out of here to all Longhorn fans, to all Cougar fans, I just want to let y'all know that Parker has the second best shoe game on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You already know who has the best shoe game on the Lockdown Podcast Network, but that's a hell of a compliment. He's got all the days. Nobody has more passion for Cougar sports than Parker here. I'm so blessed to work with him. Please go check him out. And Cougar fans already know you're listening to him. So good job there. Thank you. And we always wrap with the Go Cougs. That's what I <laughs> so, Go Cougs, John. Okay. There you go. <laughs>